And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Welcome to Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. Technically, this is episode 53 in the long lineage of episodes that I have done, but this episode is coming to you all after much anticipation, much time off, much needed time off. Not much was going on in the sports world until about the last two months. So much has happened. The NBA Finals have taken place. NBA Free Agency has taken place, which is the main reason I am recording this podcast. And just to preview what is going to be on this podcast, mostly, as I said, NBA Free Agency, we need to talk about that. I'm bringing in Ryan Moore, one of my good friends, one of my roommates. Technically still, we still haven't moved out of our house yet in Lexington. So bringing him in, he and I did a podcast that I really enjoyed and got a lot of good feedback on from people that listened to it before the NBA season started, uh, giving you all predictions for that upcoming season and whatnot. So... Once free agency started, he and I started talking and we say in constant communication about NBA stuff and sports stuff mostly. So throughout the idea of him coming back on to Carson's act and he was all for it. So we are going to have him on today's episode to cover the NBA free agency. We're going to talk all about that, where all the players ended up. Then we're going to do our way too early playoff and NBA Finals predictions and who we ultimately think is going to be your NBA Finals champion at the end of the 2019-2020, which is insane. That sounds like a made-up year. 2020 NBA Finals champion. I'm super excited to get into that. Ryan knows what he's talking about, and... It's always just a good conversation he and I have when we do talk about NBA, so I'm excited for you all to hear that. Then we are going to finish up with some British Open. Technically, it is just called the Open. For all you golf purists out there, I don't even know how many golf purists I have listening to this, but going to finish the episode with some British Open preview. And that will probably be about this episode. Just getting my feet back dipping my toes in the water into podcasting because things are about to start ramping up with football coming back within a couple of weeks a couple of months actually it's more than a couple weeks but a couple of months I think like seven or eight weeks football is back so needed to get myself back into mid-season form for football season when I'm going to be putting out podcasts every week so Again, sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you did see that I, barring weather, and this is extremely important, barring weather, I have an extremely cool and different podcast than what I normally do surrounding golf coming out next week that just bear with me. I will keep 
keep you updated through my Twitter and whatnot. And if you do follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you'll know if I've made the trip because if I make the trip, I'm going to be posting my ass off on all those about what I'm doing. But going to get to play one of the best courses in America, which has been called, it's been called that by many. And I've been wanting to play there for two years. So you will see if I do get to play. And if I do get to play, you are going to get one hell of a podcast out of that. So now the reason that I am doing this podcast, the NBA free agency and the NBA, pretty much NBA summer. That was, let's throw to that interview with Ryan Moore to talk more about that. around the world to the beach let's go all around the world y'all know this is so so dead to the beach All right, so I am here now with Ryan Moore. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Carson? Pretty good. Can't complain. So immediately to get things started for this NBA offseason recap, sort of going in chronological order, but going to talk about the draft last. The biggest thing that happened right away in this free agency period was the Anthony Davis trade from the Pelicans to the Lakers. Give me you just your reaction when that finally happened after it being teased and rumored throughout the season in the second half to when it finally did happen at the beginning of this offseason yeah there was a ton of rumors it was kind of like you were in shock when it first happened kind of like the LeBron situation when he was a free agent I knew he was probably speculated to go to the Lakers but when it finally happened I was like in shock but uh the Lakers they gave up a lot but they did get a top five player in the NBA, so. So yeah, to have two of the top five players in the NBA, I definitely think that's worth it. Do you think right now the Pelicans, even though no games have happened, obviously, if right now on paper, do you think the Pelicans won the trade, or do you think the Lakers won the trade, or do you think right the, now, yeah, or, or for the, the future, right or now, both, right yeah. now, right now, Lakers, I think they won the trade because. They got arguably like the two best players in the, like two of the best players in the NBA, and then the Pelicans are going to be good, but it's going to take them a couple years to get there. I think a big like Brandon Ingram, who in those pictures that came on yesterday, he did from, not look excited. Didn't look excited. Looked totally unhappy. And then he put up an Instagram today of like just the press photos that they have taken a day in uniform. He looked pissed off in those too. He's a free agent after this year, I believe, so he could be gone. He could be. I'm interested to see in how the Pelicans, with what they did in the draft and then they did the trade for AD and got all those players from the Lakers, do you think that they wanted Kuzma or do you think the Lakers were probably just like, no, we need Kuzma? Because out of Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and Kuzma, who do you think would be the most like – person you would want to keep out of Kuzma I I (laughs) I just love Kuzma's game he can pick and pop he can go down low he can just pretty much do it all and he's he's an exciting player I think Kuzma is right now 
which it obviously can change, is just a volume score. And mm-hmm, yeah, but the, that's what LeBron needs. Well, he needs somebody that can score the ball. I think out of any given night, potential wise, I would have probably tried to keep Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram the most, just because I think his potential. Everybody compares sort of his game to Kevin Durant's just because of I think size wise, yeah. both tall and lanky and everything. And so maybe I'm a little brainwashed by that comparison, and I'm thinking through time he'll develop into that. But I would have tried to keep Brandon Ingram, but I think uh, the Pelicans should definitely build around uh, Brandon Ingram and Zion for sure if they're gonna be doing uh, max deals with them. Those two players would have to be it. Would have to be those two. Mm. Okay, so Anthony Davis trade happens, and. That sort of gets things going with free agency. The next biggest free agent, well, the biggest free agent of the entire summer Mm -hmm. was Kawhi Leonard. And once free agency started, everything sort of just started rolling at like 5.30 p.m. on that Sunday when 6 o'clock was going to happen. Woj was firing off bombs, letting people know where. He had him saved in his draft. Yeah, had to have just (laughs) going off and off and off. Kawhi took his time a little bit, waited until that Thursday or Friday of that week when everybody else was signing on Sunday. And it came down to what everybody thought was going to be the Lakers, the Clippers, and Toronto. And it turns out that the Clippers end up signing him and end up trading Paul George from the Thunder. And they give up massive amounts of picks, give up... Probably the Clippers' best young player in Shea Gilgis Alexander as well. My question for you now is, why is Kawhi not being viewed as like this bad guy who is like demanding all these things, sort of like forming his own little super team and being sort of difficult to work with? And other just your other general thoughts about what the Clippers did this offseason. I mean, he's the fun guy. Right. He's not that fun. He's not fun. <laughs> but I just think his demeanor and just the way he plays the game is he just lets his game do the talking, and he doesn't talk. He doesn't smile. He doesn't really do anything that can make you mad. He's just a winner and a, a ball player. Apparently all his talking is just done behind the scenes and just makes <laughs> demands about who he needs on his team or else he's not going yeah, to come. Yeah, he, he would have been a Raptor if they didn't get that trade done. You think he would have went back to Toronto? If they didn't get the Paul George trade, yeah. Okay. I'm still not sold on Paul George at all. I get he finished. I love Paul George. I understand that he finished third in the MVP voting this season, but playoff P didn't show up. He got cooked by Joe Ingles a few years ago. This year he got a walk-off three hit right in his eye from literally 50 feet away. It was a bad shot. But it was a bad shot, but it went in. It was worse defense by Paul George, who prides himself on defense. And I know Paul George had the shoulder injury and everything that probably affected the way he played in the playoffs and everything, but if you call yourself playoff P, I need you to do more for me in the playoffs than what you've done. Continuing with the Clipper talk, they bring back Pat Beverly in free agency. They already have Montrez Harrell. Um, so They're going to be a good defensive team, that's for sure. So who is their their five is Pat That's, Beverly, yeah. Paul George, Kawhi, Montrez, and then who's uh, I, you can do Zubots or and then Lou Will is always six man, so he's not gonna start. Or they could just run the death lineup. 
and just put Montrez at five. Um, again, my big thing with what the Clippers gave up was you lose probably your potential centerpiece to build around in the next few years with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And something that I don't think a bunch of people are really talking about is both the deal, well, Kawhi signs a three-year deal with a player option the third year. Paul George has three years left, and the third year is a player option as well. So these guys could only be on the Clippers for two years. If that's the case, these two guys, you get two years, and we saw how that worked for Toronto. You bring Kawhi in for a year, he gets you a championship, he bounces. Is that concerning to you at all for what the Clippers did, giving up as much as they did, and potentially only having these two guys for two years? I think they stay after their two or three years. I think that they're home, they're back in Cali. I think they stay and buy into the culture that Doc Rivers has for them. Speaking of Doc Rivers, okay. So Paul George and Doc Rivers have quite a tumultuous past. Doc Rivers' daughter, apparently. Oh, yeah, I saw this. Apparently <laughs> dated Paul George. Paul George cheated on Doc Rivers' daughter with a stripper, got the stripper pregnant, and then is now engaged to, I believe, or at least dating the stripper that had his child as well. Hmm. So it's got to be pretty awkward to come into a situation like that. I don't understand how. But I'm sure he loves it at the same time because he just got an all-star on his team. I, I, I think there's a time where you got to put personal things and business aside, but these two are spilling over quite quickly in L.A. So the Battle of L.A. is going to be a storyline all year. Who do you think out of those two are the better duo? So who do you think are the better duo out of the two in L.A.? PG-13 and Kawhi. For the future, yes. Right now, probably AD and Braun. Right now. Do you think that it's going to take longer for Kawhi and Paul George to build the chemistry? Or do you think AD and LeBron are going to have the chemistry quicker? I think AD and LeBron will have the chemistry quicker they've been together they have the same agent but on team usa when uh ad was a rookie and i think that i mean they had taco tuesday together or today that taco tuesday i don't even think ad said taco tuesday it literally sounded it sounded like and looked like when lebron panned to him he didn't like Anthony Davis didn't say anything. It sounded like LeBron just kept it on Taco Tuesday. <laughs> so if that translates to anything, it's going to be LeBron always has to have the attention on him, be in the center of attention. Don't know if Anthony Davis can handle that. Allegedly, Anthony Davis wants to resign next year. I don't know. Could this Hopefully. This chemistry and relationship might have already gotten off on a bad foot <laughs> from Taco Tuesday because LeBron had to be the center of attention on an Instagram story, let alone the center of attention of one of the top five franchises in the NBA. So just something to think about and concern yourself with. So we talk about those. The next, I guess, biggest news in free agency would what would you think would be the next biggest news or like the next biggest signings besides Hmm. go from there and then i guess we can talk about kd and kyrie yeah that's what i was thinking i mean that's definitely one of the biggest even though kd's not gonna play it's still pretty big that they're not going to the knicks the knicks struck out again 
I don't. Is, is any superstar ever going to go to the New York Knicks? Yeah, 2021. That's why they signed Who? all the. Kawhi, PG. They're all just going to. They're all going to go to New there. York. Yeah, that's why they all signed those three year player options. Maybe. I don't know. I think they just need to fire uh, James Dolan. If Dolan right. left, I think there would have been, in past years, at least one or two people Definitely. that went to the Knicks and would have been. The superstar something. for years. Yes. Maybe. So. My big thing with the Nets and doing what they did, I have no faith in Kyrie Irving Neither do I. as just the own guy. I'm totally fine with him being like the Robin to Kevin Durant's Batman once Kevin Durant gets back, but that's not going to happen this year. Mm-mm. So I'm a little concerned about the Nets and him being their leader by himself for one year. And we saw how that was supposed to go in Boston when he was surrounded by young talent and he was supposed to be the guy and gets hurt his first year. Second year, it's so up and down and so rocky that he decides to leave. Um, I don't think he's going to immediately want out of the Nets situation, but he needs to, I think, take a step back and realize like, Okay, this is my team for a year, but next year I got to give it back to Kevin and be that supporting guy for him. I think he's definitely going to be a lot happier now that he's back home. He can try to be himself, I guess. I don't know why, but Boston just wasn't a good fit for him. Because Boston is a racist city, (laughs) and they don't like... Well, I'm not going to say black people, but there you go. Um, The other thing with... The Nets that I want to talk about is they lost a bunch of people in free agency D'Lo and trades. And who else? D'Lo. Oh, uh, uh, Hollis Jefferson. They lost. Hold on, I have an exact list here. Oh, they, they lose lost Carroll. They lost Tamari Carroll, Ed oh. Davis, Jared Dudley, Alan Crabb, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson, Shabazz Napier, whatever, and Trayvon Graham, whatever. Yeah, they did lose a lot. I'm not saying those guys are like make or break a team, but, but those are good real players. And, yeah. and Delos and obviously an all star. Yeah, and those were all guys that like were exciting and fun to watch. If Kyrie couldn't do well in Boston with the talent around him, I'm having some serious questions this year because I mean you had Hayward in Boston, you had Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Horford, all those guys were more way more talent. And then now you have Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, uh, the one dude with the Nafro, whatever his name is. I don't even know. I, I forget his name. Jared Allen from Jared, Texas. Okay. They don't have much. I mean, no. it's just literally Kyrie this year, this year. It's Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan. Pretty much. And how about DeAndre Jordan? Literally the sweetest deal possible because he's friends with both of those guys and they're like, and those no. guys took less money, so took he could less, come. Yeah, took less money for him to come and now joins one of the best duos in the NBA and gets to – no one's going to blame DeAndre Jordan if anything goes wrong in Brooklyn. It is, he, he just signed a one-year deal, right, or two? He signs like a two-year deal for like two for, for 40, 40 or something or two or three for 40. So DeAndre Jordan has it, the best-case scenario – no one is going to blame him if anything goes wrong in Brooklyn. It's all going to be on those two, and he's just going to be there getting his getting his lobs, maybe 12, 13 a game, and then 
12, 13 rebounds a game, just living a beautiful life in New York. To talk now, shift focus to a former um, Brooklyn Net, D'Angelo Russell. How do you think he fits into what the Warriors are going to try and do this coming season? I mean, you got to run him at the one, right? And then put Steph at the two. I think that's probably but what they're going to do. I think he's a good fit all the way up to January or February, whenever the trade deadline is or whenever Clay gets healthy. But it sounded like Bob Myers kind of wanted to keep D'Lo, so we'll see. I think they eventually do trade him. Maybe not this year, but they might trade him – in the offseason, after the season, they might just roll with it the whole year. I think the way that what he can do and the way he's progressed his game fits perfectly for that team. And The team's going to be fast. They added Willie Cauley-Stein, too. They're going to be pretty good. How active Curry is without the ball in his hands with movement is perfect. Clay has a big enough size that for when he comes back, Clay has size, and if that... It was his Achilles, correct? He rough ACL. His ACL. ACL, whatever he did to it. If that's not fully healthy and he can't be the total player he was and he can only be a catch-and-shoot guy, Clay is probably one or two of the best catch-and-shoot guys in the NBA, and they can facilitate things through D'Angelo Russell. So, and as you mentioned, they add Willie Cauley-Stein, who I think is an extremely under-the-radar signing yes, that yeah. – can bring – I mean, I know they re-signed Looney as well, but – He's versatile. He's long. Yes. He can run the floor. He's kind of got a jumper. Yes, I think that was rebound, a great block. signing by them as well. Um, is there anything, other thoughts you have on what the Warriors got going on right now? I think they did a good job. They did lose Quinn Cook off the bench, which I thought is gonna, would be a nice asset to their team. And then the Warriors lose Sean Livingston as well, who – Throughout their title runs has been sort of that guy off the bench that would come in and just cause fits for other teams. So he just hit every mid jumper yes. you can possibly think of. Uh, the lost art of the NBA, Sean Livingston made sure that was kept alive for years to come. Keeping things now in the West, we need to talk about another pretty monumental trade that the Thunder did. Speaking of them sending Russell Westbrook down to Houston for Chris Paul, two guys with huge contracts just trading spots, your initial reactions when the trade happened and after giving it some time, how do you think that's going to work down in Houston with those guys? Brody and the Beard are back together again. But uh, I, don't, I don't know how it's going to work. I feel like they could have some drama together, but I don't think they're going to have as much drama as CP3 and Harden. Had together, but should be interesting. It should be fun, definitely. Okay, so the way I have constructed this in my head is, you know how when you're dating somebody and there comes a point, things have been going fine, and out of nowhere, the person says, we need a break. That is sort of what happened with the Thunder when they had Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden when they didn't re-sign James Harden. James Harden goes off on his own, and Russell Russell Westbrook is left in Oklahoma City, and they're both just figuring themselves out. Both grew as players, grew as people, whatever. Now, after a couple years, that girlfriend that you had, that boyfriend that you had that you broke up with, oh, you see him out at a bar or something. You start talking to him a little bit. Um, You stay up to date on their life on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. 
sort of that's what Russell and James have been doing. They come back together in this trade now, and I think that the way those guys have grown in their game and the way that that relationship, I air quoted, relationship has is going to be strengthened because of that. I think the Rockets and those two are going to be the most dangerous team in the West. I could not think of two guys that can score and just pretty much do whatever they want on a basketball court about as easier than James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So I love, absolutely love what the Rockets did going out and trading Chris Paul, who had a terrible contract, Mm. older than old old as hell for a guy like Russell Westbrook who is probably going to be so pissed off that the Thunder would even think about trading him and they pretty much just gave up Russell Westbrook probably wanted out too they pretty much just gave up on Russell Westbrook and said okay see ya we're going to just rebuild this and you cost us too much money and everything so in my long explaining answer I love what the Rockets did. I think they're gonna go get like a little slow start, like in the beginning of last year, and then they're eventually gonna get that chemistry up and be one of the most deadliest teams come come June. And I think with what they have come back, Clint Capella being there, the pick and roll with him and Harden was good. Russell. The pick and roll with him and Westbrook can be even better. And now you look at Russ's numbers when he actually had shooters to pass to on his team. He's got tons of those on this Houston team. And a thing under the radar, they re-sign Austin Rivers, who can come in and give either one of those guys a break as a ball handler if they need to. Resign Gerald Green. Yes. I think so, P.J. Tucker's still there. Better than Draymond Green. Always will be. <laughs> so, like I said, I love what they were doing. Another thing with a trade that happened in the West – um, it can be a bit of a segue for both things, would be the Heat trading Hassan Whiteside to the Blazers. Um, I personally think that they needed that, but I think we saw the height and as good as the Blazers can be last postseason. What do you think are the Blazers looking like? I honestly didn't. Did he play that much last year, Hassan Whiteside? For the Heat, I don't. He was on my fantasy team, but I never checked it. So I don't, I don't know, know right I mean, off. I think he might have been hurt, but I don't really know much too much about his game. He is a big body, and I know he can post and rebound and block. Allegedly, he just doesn't give a shit. Like, he Maybe has not. never really tried. I don't know how it's going to work with uh, Nurkic. They're both, like, big bodies, and they can, they can like, cause some drama, I feel like, because their personalities are a lot similar. That they just both don't care. They both don't care, and they both will say whatever to whoever. Well, sometimes you need that in a locker room. I guess which so. I, there might be a fight. There might be another Bobby Portis versus whoever he punched, Nikola Merkic. Well, that the fighting brings up a good point because Whiteside got out of Miami, who brings in Jimmy Butler, who I can almost guarantee another drama queen. those two would have been at each other's next from the first practice. Jimmy Butler, the way he is and goes after people and how Hassan Whiteside is perceived as like this guy that is so athletically gifted but just doesn't put the work in, that would have been an absolutely terrible mix between those two. I really think Jimmy Butler literally just mailed it in with going to the Heat and everything. I 
I think he likes the city of Miami, so... I mean, And he, and he yeah. wants to be the guy, and he wasn't going to be the guy at the T-Wolves. He wasn't going to be the guy at the 76ers. He's around these young, super, like, coming becoming superstars. He, he can't, like... I don't know. I think he's going to be better at the Heat. Because he's on his own. I think... Yes, like that will become his team, and like how you said, he loves the city of Miami. I don't think anybody well, d- dislikes the Miami. city of Miami. <laughs> no, not at all. But like, even when he was on that team late in games, in the end of the season in the playoff, like he was like their closer. He was their guy. Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. because Simmons can't shoot, mm-hmm. and Bead was out of shape and tired. Which for that's been pretty much two sort of postseasons in a row, which is crazy to me that you don't make some type of adjustment really to either your diet or your workout schedule to where come postseason basketball you're in better shape Tobias I don't think the moment was too big for him but I think out of the two of Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler that's who you were probably go with was Jimmy Butler so again I think he didn't he didn't take the easy way out but I think him going down to Miami he is going to fly just so under the radar and just... Will he be an all-star? Um, Probably, but it'll probably be like one of the last ones Yeah, and everything. One of the reserves. Yeah, I still, I think both those teams got better in certain ways, but neither of those two are really like going to set the world on fire, like in my opinion, next season, but they definitely both added pieces that they needed. I mean... Lose Dwayne Wade, get Jimmy Butler, sort of nice trade off there. Definitely, yeah. Okay. Staying in the East and still having a bit of 76er talk. One of their new acquisitions this offseason was Al Horford coming over from the Celtics, who Celtics and Sixers sort of have a little rivalry going on, which it's nice to see that there actually is still rivalries in the NBA besides. LeBron and the Warriors. So, what do you are your thoughts on Al Horford joining the uh, 76ers? When you texted me about it, you were super excited, and I think I sent in his like statistics, and <laughs> you were not happy about my reply. But what he, are your he's thoughts? A, he's a great teammate. I mean, he's gonna be there in the locker room, motivating these young guys to push themselves in the in the playoffs. He's a great defender for his height. And his weight, um, I think he's a good addition to them. I don't know if I would have gone another big, though. I feel like they could have got shooting elsewhere in free agency. But I think that Al Horford will motivate these younger guys and push them to make a deep run in the playoffs. Um, I, my big thing, I do think Al Horford, like you did say, yes, he will bring that extra like motivation and how to be... A professional, and hopefully he does take Joel Embiid under his wing and does correct all the little things that Embiid isn't doing to fully like capitalize and become like that best center in the NBA type that everybody thinks he can. On the floor, like you're saying, another big and everything, I think that's fine because... They can run four or five. Yeah, and he can give Embiid a break if he does need it and keep him fresher throughout the season and in the playoffs as well. Because I don't think, I mean, Al Horford, yes, is a step back from Embiid, but I don't think anybody is going to be like, if there's a 
six, eight-minute stretch where Embiid needs to sit or something. I don't think anybody's going to panic with Al Horford being in the game to give yeah. Embiid that rest. Um, Embiid couldn't score on Horford, so they added him to the team. Which is mind-blowing that Al Horford was able to stop Joel Embiid, but whatever. They also re-signed Tobias Harris as well. I On a ridiculous contract. I don't care about Tobias Harris. I love at Tobias, all. but I don't think he's worth that much. He got like <laughs> what four for 180 million. He's been on like seven teams in his six-year careers. Like that's not the right number. I mean, obviously, he did have one of the best when before he came to 76ers. He had one of the best seasons he was having and uh, at the Clippers. Yeah, that was another big contention between you and I, where you would argue about because he was his... on a worse team. You would argue about his stats for and scoring and rebounds on the Clippers, but and like want that factored into the overall. And I would only look at the Sixers. So <laughs> either way, my only thing with Tobias is just develop your game more into something and hopefully become that like closer type guy that Jimmy Butler was, because like I said, Ben That's Simmons isn't shooting, and Bead's been tired. Horford, I mean, can hit a big shot here and there, they but you're a, they not. they got a tall team. Yeah, they do. They don't really have guards. No. So, but also, Ben Simmons signs that five-year extension. Mm-hmm. For, I've... For $170 million, 170. so... Tobias Harris is making more money than... Than their ben franchise player, pretty much. <laughs> I do still... I texted Ryan when it happened, because I, like, looked when the Lakers missed out on... Kawhi at the free agents for this coming year in 2020 and I was like oh Ben Simmons like LeBron loves him everything like that and then literally like that day there were like Woj bombs saying like oh the Sixers and Ben Simmons are working to get an extension or whatever so whatever on that still needs a jumper and he might develop one maybe maybe not probably not um moving on to another point guard that is important is going to be important to his new team was important to his last team Mike Conley getting traded from the Grizzlies to the Jazz um it was as speaking as an Ohio State fan and Mike Conley being from Ohio State it was nice to see him get the recognition and everything that I think and I do think that people thought he deserved for what he did in Memphis and being there like rock and being their main guy for so long there. Now he gets traded to Utah. What do you think that he brings to Utah, and what do you think the outlook for Utah is coming up this year? He's bringing leadership. He's going to be with Donovan Mitchell, which is going to be a hell of a backcourt. Um, they also added uh, Bojan Bogdanovich mm-hmm. from Indiana. So I think they can make a deep run. I, th- I think that Mike Conley is an excellent ad- addition. Definitely an upgrade from Ricky Rubio. Definitely an update from Ricky Rubio. Conley, I don't. He's made an All Star team before, but he hasn't. But he's he still puts up like what twenty plus a game. Yeah, he eighteen. He should have been an All Star by now. And I he's think. got shooters around him this year, so yeah. he, he's definitely going to average more assists probably. Everybody is like is pretty much that I've heard like really excited about this Jazz team and really into the Jazz team. I. I'm real indifferent on them. I can see them doing well, but just the West is so hard. The West is hard, and I just I think there are better, more complete teams with more 
star power and like athletic athleticism type players on the team that were are just going to overshadow the Jazz. I think the Jazz are going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be probably one of the most like steady and solid teams in the NBA, but they're just going to be like boring. They're yeah. going to be perfect for Utah. They have like Utah. a veteran team surrounded by Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, they're going to be perfect for Utah. And, I mean, another racist city, maybe too many back, black people on the team. <laughs> but perfect style of basketball for the city of Salt Lake. To wrap up the free agency aspect of this NBA offseason recap, we need to talk about Kemba Walker going to the Celtics. My... Initial reaction was they didn't work out for the Celtics with a ball-dominant guard with Kyrie Irving. So what do they do? They sign another, another ball-dominant point guard in Kemba Walker. But I think Kemba is going to be a better leader for this team. He's not going to have locker room problems with the younger guys. And I think, I think he'll do well. I think the Celtics will do well. I think they'll do better than with Kyrie. Yeah. I I think Kemba can handle, well... Definitely handle the pressure. Handle the pressure, but... I was going to say handle the criticism, but honestly, like, he's never been criticized, Mm-mm. really, in Charlotte because he's nobody... He's been at a crap he's, organization. He's been the... Miles ahead, best player on the worst, a shitty team like for so teams. many. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how he can adjust to playing with expectations in a city with rabid fans, and where if he's playing poorly, he'll finally be under a microscope, and to see if that gets to him or anything. Um, I do think him and Brad Stevens together. Didn't he beat them in the NCAA championship? Kemba. Um, it was UConn versus Butler, right? Yeah. Kemba so, was on that team. So maybe Brad Stevens is holding a grudge for mm, maybe, like yeah. super long. <laughs> Probably did. Um, my big... So with those, I do think Brad Stevens and Kemba are going to pair well together. I think better than what Kyrie and Brad Stevens did. And if he can develop... like Maybe the reason he didn't have so many assists and was the ball dominant type of guard was because he didn't have anybody else on his team. Maybe he has, now that he has all these weapons like Tatum and Brown and Hayward, he he can lead the league in assists. Yeah. So again, I think Kemba, a much better fit for the Celtics, just like you said. And my only question is hopefully if there is any scrutiny and pressure put on him now that he's finally in a city that expects championships, that hopefully he can handle that. But like you said, I think the pressure-wise, he will be able to handle that. Definitely. And I think uh, the addition to Enos Kaner was a good fit, too. And do you see the – I didn't see this until today, the shade Enos Kaner. Yeah. I didn't see that until today. Yeah, and <laughs> made fun of Kyrie. From that commercial with from his the, dad. Yeah, right? I mean, that's kind of – Shitty. Yeah, like, calm down. <laughs> but, but it was fun. But that's Enos Kaner. Yeah. He's going to throw some shots out. When peop, people I don't – I think Boston will like that. He is white. Technically. <laughs> well, technically he's whatever, and he can't – his own country doesn't even claim him. True. So – he pissed off his entire country. He's pissing off Kyrie Irving. It's only a matter of time before the city of Boston turns on him. 
Moving on now from free agency to talk about the NBA draft. Brian, just initial, any thoughts or anything you had? I know the big story, obviously Zion. So if you want to touch on anything and maybe Zion on what the Pelicans did, go ahead. I think the Pelicans had a great draft. Jackson Hayes is a a big pickup at number eight. They traded down from that pick from four. So they knew that they, they could get him at number eight. And he played pretty well in the summer league. I think he made the first team or the second team. And then Naw is what people are calling him. Uh, Alexander Walker, the cousin of Shea <laughs> Gilgis Alexander. They're calling him Naw. <laughs> but he... Oh, they can make shirts where it's like Naw Lens. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be good. That'd be good. But I... he also played very well, too. And they got him at 17. I think... The Pelicans and the Hawks have been killing it in the draft the past two years. Pelicans, Jackson Hayes from Cincinnati went to Moeller. So right. that was, yeah, went that. to Moeller from went to Texas. Texas. Yeah. He, so, he was considering Kentucky. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. We don't care. <laughs> he was. Um, Zion getting hurt in the summer league, does that concern you no, was at like, all? He just bumped knees with somebody. So With just, Kevin per- Knox, just probably. precautionary holding yeah, out. We yeah. don't need I mean, anything. Yeah. He didn't really. He didn't have to play. Coach K said it. He said, "Oh, why whatever." Even Coach K him? says, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> well, Coach I, K didn't have his right shoes for him, and so what? Coach K might not have Zion's best interest. He shouldn't even play in college. Yeah, he shouldn't win. He shouldn't have gone to Duke. Um, my thing with the Pelicans that they did. Um, obviously, you're taking Zion. When Definitely. he was just sitting on the bench, there's that picture going around. Everybody, I'm looking kind of chubby, looking chubby, looking bored. I'm just so sick of that, like narrative that. Did they see the man playing play college? That and just <laughs> even if he did put on like some baby fat or whatever, like being in the NBA, like you're going to lose that once yeah. you're around the team and a nutritionist and trainers and everything every day like and that first game in the summer league yeah whatever he didn't play games for like ever since the duke loss yeah he was just working out and everything taking pictures doing media going traveling places i wasn't that i'm no he'll lose he'll lose that i'm turning the muscle so tired of the narrative of zion's fat zion's needs to get like is getting fatter or whatever because he went to new orleans no he's gonna be a phenomenal player another team that you mentioned in the draft as like a winner and a team that did really well is the atlanta hawks um they take deandre hunter number four with they traded with the pelicans they traded up to get him uh they took cam reddish at 10 who i love the cam reddish pick um i love the trey young and cam reddish um, right there so like I can totally see Cam Reddish like being a stealer draft and being like Definitely. a Bradley Beal type player that score and catch like and be a three point guy. I just think guy, he, was, he was held back everything. from everything at Duke, um, and he was one of the top players in the class. I just think him with, with him being teamed up with RJ and Zion really held back his potential, and he's gonna thrive with oh, Trey so, Young. Say so those videos and stuff that came out. They didn't come out, but resurfaced of like the top players in the nation that were freshmen last year in college and played with Cam Reddish on like the AU circuit in high school, and they were like, "Who's the hardest guy you've had to guard?" They all said Cam Reddish. Really? So I didn't see that. I that do is- think, like you did say, that being with two other guys like R.J. Barrett and Zion, who were thought of as the two best players in that draft, and like. 
well, not the two best players, but the two best players in that recruiting class and, and had the most yeah. hype and everything, definitely overshadowed Cam Reddish his entire year at Duke, except for the game he hit, the game winner against Florida, Florida State. State. That was a good shot. So, and then I think he would have thrived anywhere else. He probably could have averaged like 18-plus points at any other college, in my opinion. Probably would have. And then the Hawks also, with the 34th pick, adding Bruno Fernando from Maryland. who That's a good pick. Big body, good size with development and stuff. I think he'll turn out well. Um, is there any other teams that – oh, I do also have another thing I want to mention. Uh, the Celtics. Drafting Carson Edwards in the second round I think is perfect. Steel. I love Carson Edwards' game. They, they already signed him too, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, for like four years too. Four? Yeah, a lengthy deal. And so – I mean, they must trust him a lot. He did play well. In the summer league. I think the way his game translates to where he can get a shot off quick and just train threes is perfect. Mm-hmm. And if they do need he's, another ball handler, he's there as well. He's going to be a fun player to watch, hopefully. He'll be good. Romeo Langford and Grant Williams are Celtics. I really don't give a shit about. Like I didn't see too much of Romeo, yeah. but I don't know. He didn't, even, he didn't do the summer league. No. Grant Williams I think he had again. Like a wrist injury or something. Grant Williams is going to be super undersized, I think, in the NBA. But that's also another guard that Tremont Waters. Tremont Waters, who was a great player at LSU. So I like Pr- prayers up to him. His dad passed away like last week. As a, yes, prayers up for that. And I do like the guards that the Celtics got in the back end. Of, they did lose Terry Rozier. That's fine. I'm over <laughs> that. Um, any other, like, okay, so, like, losers, who would you have? In the draft? Yeah, in the draft. I think the Suns really lost this draft. Uh, they traded down from their seventh pick, or sixth pick, I believe. They traded down to 13 or 14, and they snagged, uh, no, 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 they traded down to 11, and they snagged Cameron Johnson, the senior small forward from North Carolina, Who's good? I mean, he's good. But, he, but I, like, they could have had a Kobe White and Kobe White with Devin Booker. That would have been a great duo, a great point guard, and a great backcourt. I think. I, I mean, Cameron Johnson, he can shoot the ball, but having that point guard would be great for Devin Booker. And then they draft Ty Jerome. They do, but I don't. I really, mean, yeah, I think Kobe whatever. White is a little better than Ty Jerome. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I would. Um, Spurs, I think they got a steal in Kelvin Johnson. At 29. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to be biased, but I think he really performed in the sp- at the Summer League, and I think being underneath Pop will definitely be helpful. Okay, well, that's, an, that's another... Th- like, I think everybody that gets drafted like in late rounds for the Spurs like gets a benefit of the doubt because they're with Pop, but mm-hmm. I do think the way Kelvin, like works and like his worth ethic and like just his personality with pop they'll blend probably yeah, pretty well I think so too. and he can develop him and get better i'm surprised he dropped that low but i mean i'm glad he got picked and then another to just them. since we're talking about kentucky guys right now we can just do that real quick tyler hero with the 13th pick to miami he love that did ridiculously well in the and uh didn't make first team or, or second, second team. i d- definitely do think he could have went and been 
at least second team for the summer league or whatever. Yeah. The Grizzlies, I'm looking at it now. Brandon they, Clark, the summer league MVP. Brandon Clark, ridiculously well pairing Morant, him up with he just had uh, surgery, but he's who's gonna be a hell of a guard. Who's the guy? They Jaron Jackson. Yeah, yeah. He didn't play either, obviously, because he's gonna be really good. Yeah, and but um, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson, and John Morant right there. Like that's. Good, Those three right core. there, super young. You can build around and everything. It's a good young core. Yeah, that's exciting. You lose somebody like um, Mike Conley. Yeah, like and the Marcus fa- Sol, yeah. I mean, they lost them last year. The so. faces of that organization for so long. You bring in three new guys that are gonna become probably at least good. It two great players in the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any other players or teams you can think of that? were drafted or maybe like a sleeper that you have or anything what, like that. What do you think about RJ? How RJ that, Barrett. Is he going to be the guy that everybody thinks he'll be? Mm. Or RJ Barrett will probably come in, be underwhelming for half the year. and then Like de- he started out in the summer league. Yeah, and develop and just get better. But I think the Knicks are going to ruin him. They're not gonna give him time. They're like they need to fire Dolan. They really do. I think RJ Barrett can will become what people are thinking, just not to like a super high degree. Like he will be a starter and a good player in the NBA. Yeah, he'll definitely but start. I just don't know if that's gonna be for the Knicks for years to come. I'm not sure what deal he signed, but it might it might be just that deal and he's gone. I, and I would be fine with that if, given the landscape of what the Knicks have done in the past, yeah, and I'll, if how I were they've him, ruined I'm signing people. a two or three year deal. Yeah, and then just reassessing oh, where. Uh, let's talk about your Nuggets with Bull Bull. Nuggets, big fan of that. Them doing it back to back years, taking a guy that was sliding in the draft for different reasons last year, being. Michael Porter Jr. this year being Bull Bull. I'm telling you right now. But Michael Porter Jr. Michael, still went in the lottery. Or yes. maybe a little lower. But. He, but he was sliding and like had people thought. Not uh, that far though. No. And I, I, I don't even really know why Bull Bull slid that much. Injury concerns and apparently. I think it was that and his work ethic and his yeah. attitude. His attitude apparently was awful. Okay. So. I've heard things that where he just doesn't like basketball. He just chooses to play because he's tall and his dad. Well, <laughs> if that's the case, sign a okay contracts for like a. He'll be good. Five six plus million. I mean, seven. Your four. first one, your first contract, and just bounce after two or three years. If you don't want to play, get a little money, invest it well. Like I don't. When he when he wasn't hurt at Oregon, he was probably one of the most talked about players yeah. in the country. And then when he got hurt, no one like heard of him. Yeah. No one talked about him ever Because he again. was just in the gym grinding. And he was in the no, Pac-12. But allegedly no work ethic. <laughs> He's probably just playing Fortnite or some shit. Maybe. But I I get that, like, the high upside that he has and them being able to get him as late as they did totally works out and everything. So I like that for them. And as I was saying, back-to-back years they did that. Mark my words, Michael Porter Jr. is going to win the NBA Rookie of the Year this year, technically his second year in the league. He did it get hurt again. But he's going. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> he's delicate, but he's gonna win rookie of the year. Yeah, he's gonna win rookie of the year wow. over Zion, mm. over Ja, over RJ. Um, 
he's got the my only thing is I don't think that it, the Nuggets are going to rush him back. I think with their of, ro- I think with their yeah. roster he can't win the rookie of the year in my opinion. I do. I think the think three guys that can do it are the three top the top three picks. Okay. And mm-hmm. maybe Brandon Clark if he can just ball out. He probably can, but I'm still gonna put all my eggs in the M- M- MPJ basket and hope for the fucking best. I saw a team that you were on just now, uh, the Cavaliers. Okay. I I don't know how I like Darius Garland with Colin Sexton. It's pointless. But I do, however, really like the Dylan Windler pick and the Kevin Porter Jr. pick. Well, they didn't pick him, but they traded for him and. They paid the most amount of money everybody's anybody's paid for for a first-round pick in this history of Worth NBA it. draft. Worth it. <laughs> no, I don't... I mean, I like what they did. Darius Garland was a good player for the two games he played at Vanderbilt. Yeah. But... I guess they're just like, well... If, they'll have to run him at the two. If Sexton doesn't work out, hopefully Garland works out, and if they both end up working out, we can trade one of them, or we've got two of the best young guards in the NBA. Like, yeah, I sure. guess, sure, but I don't enjoy that pick either. And then P.J. Washington goes to the Hornets at the 12th pick. I mean, I'm happy for him, but, I mean... That's fran- a real shitty yeah. situation to go into. Um... You good on draft recap? Okay, so we will now move into our predictions for the season next year. And I think what we'll just do is what we'll do last time. How we did last time. Just, Ryan, give me your top eight and then in the west and top eight in the east. And we'll go back and forth. Okay, top eight in the go, east. Yeah, go to the east first. And I'll I, start with eight. Here you go you from start eight, with eight down. Yeah, okay. that's fine. Eight, I got the Heat. Okay. Seven, I got the Nets. Okay. Six, I got the Magic. Okay. Five, I got the Pacers. All right. Four, I got the Raptors. Three, I got the Celtics. Two, I got the 76ers. And one, I got the Bucks. When you have the Bucks, Okay. So, my East is, I have the Hawks at 8, I have the Heat at 7, I have the Raptors at 6, Nets at 5, Pacers 4, Bucks 3, Sixers 2, Celtics 1. Almost, same teams except Hawks. Yeah, I think Trey Young, I think Hunter, Reddish... Um, and Vince Carter's farewell tour. And they picked up Chandler Parsons yeah. and uh, Jabari Parker. Yeah, so I like what they're doing. I think the East is going, as it always kind of is, the bottom of the East is pretty fucking... Yeah, I was iffy between like the Heat and uh, the Pistons. Well, I had like typed in, in the seven spot, the Wizards, by accident. I don't know <laughs> if I was looking at something or just wrote down what I saw, but when you were listening to yours, I looked at it and I saw Wizards. I was like, that's not fucking happening. So I quick judgment said Heat over Pistons, mm-hmm. but yeah. I do like what the Pistons have, bringing in Derrick Rose and yeah. keeping... I just don't find the Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond duo that appealing. It, they're. I don't understand why they're not... It just doesn't work. ...better. Yeah. yeah, like they're both really good, but together, I they think just it's just don't. their supporting cast around them, honestly. Yeah. Okay, so 
Now for the West, if you'd like to go. I am stuck on this eight seed, but I have the Spurs or the Pelicans at eight. Okay. Seven, I have the Trailblazers. Six, I have the Warriors. Five, I have the Jazz. Four, I have the Rockets. Three, I have the Nuggets. Two, I have the Lakers. And one, I have the Clippers. Okay. My eight seed... came down to the Mavs and the Spurs. And we didn't talk about the Mavs because all these things were sort of done last year. But mm, yeah. the what the Mavs are like building with Luka and Porzingis and Porzingis signing that extension with the Mavs and everything, I cannot wait to watch those guys play. But I think they're a year or two away from playing with like – they need a year of chemistry and to like Definitely. learn each other. Yeah. So I think that this year is like that growing pains year, and they don't make the playoffs this year. So and it's super hard. Kind of upset that the Gorgon Dragic trade didn't happen. Well, I think it would have been. <laughs> I thought it would have been cool. Super, it would have been cool, but it would have been super like hard for Luca yeah. and him. I think to coexist. So like a little blessing in disguise there. I True. think. Yeah. Um, so, and it was super hard for me to picture, like, an NBA playoffs without the Spurs and Pavlovich. Yeah, same here. So, I put the Spurs in at 8. I put the Blazers at 7, and I was surprised you had them that low. I just, I don't, I just don't. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> um, then my 6 was the Jazz. Uh, my 5 was the Warriors. My, my 5 was the Warriors. My 4 was the Rockets. Three was the Clippers, two was the Lakers, and one was the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets repeat because if Michael Porter Jr. is playing as well as he says, like I think he's going to, um, combining what they did last year. I mean, they were the one seed last year, were they not? Yeah. They yeah. And but the I, West did get a little harder. The West got harder, but everybody's back for them. They, That's true. They added Bobo. They added Bobo. PJ could be um, healthy. Who they? Uh, they lost Isaiah Thomas, but he never played. No. Um. They added Jamari Grant. Jamari, how do you say his name? Oh, yeah, Grant yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah, from, from Syracuse. Yeah. The, or Notre Dame. From Syracuse. Notre Dame, but from the Thunder, whoever. Like the yeah, Nuggets brought everybody back, brought back Millsaps, and improved on their roster as well. So I'm still we high on the we Nuggets. We almost have the same West. Yeah. Almost. Um. So now I guess if you want to predict if you want to predict the conference finals matchup and then a NBA finals matchup and the winner if you've got that figured out you're more than welcome to. Okay, it's got to be logical because okay. Let's see. I'm going to go with is a 3 on is it three with the one up top of the bracket? I would assume so. I have no idea how they're lined up like that. All right, I'm just gonna go Bucks Celtics versus or Bucks versus Celtics in the Eastern Conference, and then Clippers versus Lakers, the the matchup everybody wants. Okay. Um, my conference finals East we're gonna say the same. Uh, the Celtics and the Sixers, I like that. Um, I said Bucks and Celtics. Bucks and oh, then I'm yeah, uh, yeah. I'm totally no. <laughs> um, I think them. Who did they? They lost. Brogdon. That's yeah, it. Um, and, but they added Robin Lopez. I don't give a <laughs> shit. Brogdon, I think is 
Giannis, Giannis has only hit 60% of his potential. That's fine. And he's not going to hit it in Milwaukee. He's uh, leaving after this year. Guarantee it. I guarantee. He um, likes Milwaukee. Well, that's fine. But there's not a lot of Greek influence there. I don't know where the most Greece, Greek city Probably is in, in America. With all the immigrants. Yep, come on in. The free Euros for the life night. if you go to the Knicks in the entire city of New York, Giannis. So you said, excuse me, you said Bucks Celtics. Yep. I'm going to go Sixers Celtics. Okay. And I am going to go, I don't even know if this is logical or not, but I'm going to go Lakers-Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. I'm so sold on... But we both had them at the sixth seed. Clay coming back. Oh, okay. That I'm so sold on that. All right. I I like that. I like that. Now, who is your... My finals? Yeah. I'm going to bring it back to the good old days. Celtics versus Lakers. Celtics versus Lakers, and then who wins it? AD okay. and LeBron. Of course. Okay. <laughs> um, as much as I, the- I just think their their bench is probably one of the best benches in the NBA, in my opinion. They do have, and depth. they have two of the top players. LeBron is hungry. He's ready. He came off of that groin injury. It's the most he's ever missed. So I feel like he'll want even more. He's with his buddy AD. AD wasn't happy in New Orleans. Now he's going to be moving into L.A., better city, with LeBron, greatest player of all time. Uh, I, th- I think you see a championship I, right there. You're going to have to, I guess. Or, <laughs> um, so for me, like, I have the Lakers losing to the Warriors. in the, How many games? Um... <laughs> Like six or seven, I really just uh, we need we need to talk it. about this at the end of this bridging thing because I do want to talk about it. But Clay and Steph are just even if Clay doesn't come back and is like the Clay of old. Clay is better than so many. Like I would say ninety percent of the NBA with like an injury like that that I still have full confidence in. Clay and Steph, and if D'Angelo Russell and they can figure out a way, I think Kerr can to shape an offense to where Steph can play off the ball and D'Angelo can be the guy, and Draymond does his thing. Willie Colley Stein is there as well. Looney is still there. I just think they can get past Lakers, and then I have the Sixers coming out of the East, and I have the Warriors beating the Sixers in six or seven games in the finals. I think the Warriors' mentality um, is going to be like revenge tour. Like, you all thought it was only reason we were good was because of KD. Wait, you picked the Warriors? Yes, I picked the Warriors. Okay, sorry. I think the mentality (laughs) that they're doing and the comeback tour that they're going to go on is going to be ridiculous. Kerr is going to have them playing, I think, great basketball when everybody comes back. I'm all in on the Warriors, and I it pains me to say that because yeah. I want LeBron and the Lakers. I want just LeBron. I don't really give a shit where he plays. I want LeBron another championship before he leaves, and if that happens to be for the Lakers, lovely. Three championships Great. on three different teams. Yeah, I mean that's pretty good. So there are predictions, and now I did want to just cover this. Who is the best? One two because now it's not really, there's not really super teams it's the duos the duos yeah 
Who do you think is the best duos? You can if for you the wanna, future for right now. Give like Wait, I thought we already talked about this. No, we talked about like teams that had duos, but uh, we never sat down and like uh, okay. ranked okay. the duos. We don't need to Are rank ranking them. them? Oh, okay. You can give me like your top three duos in the NBA for this year. For this year, AD and LeBron at one, two, Kawhi PG, three. We'll go Russ Harden. Um, that's perfect. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I'm going pro, like LeBron AD, and then um, I have to, since after my bold statement there, that when Clay comes back, Clay and Steph. And then third, I am going to go with James Harden and uh, Russell Westbrook. I do not think. What do you think? Kawhi and. Paul fourth. George are going to be fourth. I do not think Paul George is going to be able to pull his weight come playoff time for what is needed. And Kawhi, another thing that I saw, like I don't know if you saw it today, but one of the like an anonymous GM or something was saying Kawhi doesn't elevate players around him. Like he's not a like a glue guy and gets That's everybody true. around. Like, but he did recruit him to come. I mean, yeah, I get that he recruits him, and I don't think he's going to need to like talk Paul George up or anything because Paul George is. Gonna like, hold his ground. He's a top but, yeah. fifteen player, maybe top ten player, and they'd be like, "That's fine." Yeah, but he has not in two playoffs. Even though last year, as I mentioned, was injured, has not showed up in two playoffs. So I, I do think the culture and for the Clippers is way better than with the Thunder bring. I think that they're surrounded by a lot of defense, a lot of passion. You can see it from Patrick Beverly and Montrez. They bring a lot of passion to their games. I feel like just the culture and the players surrounded them are better than the Thunder. I think... And I think Paul George can thrive off of that, especially with Lou Williams coming off the bench. Like, they're going to be good. I, the Clippers, yeah, they're going to be good, but I think when you're saying, like, culture-wise... The, like the, their fans, what the the team buys into, better coach. The culture in L.A. for the Clippers and the culture in Oklahoma City, like, the cities, two totally different. But I think Oklahoma City has some of they the most pro- passionate yeah. fans. They have probably the best home court. Yeah, advantage. and I mean, the Clippers have, they have their loyal fans, and now they're going to get all these, like, bandwagon fans, yeah, too, and people sure. that are coming. So, that as well, and... My whole thing, like, I just try to... You just don't think they'll blend well together. Blend well, and I need to see Paul George show up in a playoffs. Okay. And if that's the case, then if Paul George shows up, all my predictions are probably going to be rendered useless. If he shows up, do they win it all? Yes, because Kawhi is the best player in the NBA for last season. And he was the top three player last year. Yeah, so, again... Paul George shows up, everything that I've said just rendered useless. Ryan, do you have anything else you want to say before we sign off here? It's going to be a fun NBA season, tell you that. No, cannot wait. Not going to be a little upsetting not being able to just... You going to watch any regular season games? Yeah, I watched a bunch (laughs) with you last year. Oh yeah, with me, we're not roommates. Yeah, I was going to say it's going to be pretty hard and upsetting not to just be able to open my door and take five steps to the couch and have two NBA games on (laughs) on both our TVs, but... 
you don't live that far away from me now. Oh, that's like true. That's true. Four minute drive. I'll come over on Wednesday nights. We'll just, just right. watch that. Yeah. We can do that. Opening right. opening night. Opening night for this league. Man, this league. <laughs> <laughs> that will do it for the NBA offseason recap for this episode i want to thank ryan more once again for coming on and being a part of it truly enjoyed it and i'm almost more than positive that if you did listen to it you all will too let's shift gears a little bit now it's a little bit longer episode than what i typically put out so gonna do a very quick um british open preview that will be You'll be able to listen to during the first day of coverage because coverage and the first groups go off tonight. I'm recording this on Wednesday. Go off technically Thursday morning for us, but Wednesday night if you're a normal person and classify it like that at like 1.30 a.m. So let's get right into the British Open preview. So the 2019 British Open is going to be taking place at Royal Port Rush in Northern Ireland. Um, the weather out there this week, the highs are only supposed to be in the low 60s. Um, it's a link style golf course, but normally with those, the link style, dry conditions and you can hit low to mid irons or whatever you need off the tee to to keep the ball in play and still be able to reach the green with your second shot or the appropriate shot because you get the run out um, after a shot because the green, not the greens, the fairways are so firm and the greens are fast and everything like that. Well, here um, at Royal Port Rush in Northern Ireland, it's been raining constantly throughout the week and it's supposed to be that way throughout the tournament as well just bad weather cold rainy just difficult weather um we look at some of the odds for it you got Roy McIlroy at eight to one who is a hometown kid shot a 61 there when he was 16 years old uh followed up by Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, both at 10 to one John Rahm has been playing extremely well he's been playing over on the European tour he is from Spain so he does have membership on the European tour as well um, he's been playing over there mostly. He did win, I believe, the Scottish Open two weeks ago before. So he's getting acclimated pretty well to the link style type. After John Rahm at 16 to 1, you have Tiger Woods at 18 to 1. Looking back at, at such and Dustin Johnson sitting at 10 to 1, Brooks sit at 10 to 1 also. Dustin Johnson coming close in the past to winning a British Open. Brooks not really being a factor in the British Open so far, but he's got the type of game that he's dangerous at any course at any time because he hits it so far and he controls his iron so well. And that is so important at a place like World Port Rush or any link style golf course where the greens have so many undulations and crevices and ups and downs and just putting the ball in the right place in the green and laying it feedback towards the hole or having a good miss or a good bailout zone is so important and Brooks is so good at finding those. So is Dustin Johnson, both incredibly long off the tee. Moving down, like I said, Tiger Woods is 18-1. to the only thing that concerns me about Tiger is how much time he has taken off since he last played. It's hard for me to foresee Tiger Woods coming out and being 
ultra competitive in all these majors that he wants to play without at least playing one or two weeks before that major because it's so difficult. Granted, he did come out earlier in the week in on Monday and Tuesday, I believe, and played 18. Played in the rain on Tuesday, so got himself acclimated to what the weather is going to be like and played around in that so that's good Justin Rose is sitting at 20 to 1 he has sort of taken a step back this year he's still extremely solid player but um every all his statistics have come back a little bit so I don't like him that much this week Xander Schauffele is 20 to 1 he has played extremely well in U.S. Opens in the past it hasn't really translated over to the British Open, but he plays extremely well and extremely consistent. And if he's striking the ball as well as he can, um, started out the year extremely hot, had a good showing in the U.S. Open as well. So if he can call back to some previous performances from this year where he's won a couple times, then Xander has a great shot. The defending champion, Francesco Molinari, is 20-1. I think he is always going to be near the top of the leaderboard or at least in contention at these sort of things because his game is so unflappable and he just doesn't waver in tough times he's just head down I'll take my par and I'll move on I mean he made one birdie last year to win the thing on Sunday and that was enough everything else was just pars and going up against Tiger Woods in that last group with him last year I totally probably added some confidence to his game that he carried over into the Ryder Cup last year and this year as well but again Francesco Monari is just so solid that I find it hard that for him not to be considered a favorite and in contention at these British Opens then at your 25 to 1 you have Ricky Fowler, Patrick Cantley, and Tommy Fleetwood I don't think it's Ricky's week. Patrick Cantley, not really sure. I am a little intrigued by Tommy Fleetwood because of how well he does do in uh, British Opens in the past. He has done pretty well in conditions like that. He plays on the European Tour bunch where there are more note more consistent uh, bad weather type tournaments since colder, so he is going to be acclimated with that weather as well. Moving on, you have Justin Thomas at 31, Adam Scott 31, Louis Ustase in 30 to 1, all, Bryson DeChambeau, a notable name, he's at 40 to 1. Jason Day is at 40 to 1. I really despise Jason Day, but with how good of a player he is, and he's taking some time to get his body right and everything, and he's playing, when he plays at a high level, he's one of the best guys out there. So it pains me to say this, but I could go see him having a good week this week just because of having the time off and getting his body right and doing more than playing more than what Tiger does when he's injured injured hurt rest just things like that I could see Jason Day going out there and having a good week Graham McDowell is 50 to 1 if you're just looking to take a flyer as well him and Rory both grew up on this course Um, I know Rory is the favorite and the better golf than Graham McDowell, but Graham McDowell has that same knowledge as well. Oh, um, if you are going to take flyers or anything, but Brooks right now, his caddy grew up at Royal Port Rush as well, as well, but I tend to lean more on the guy that is actually hitting the shots, um, with the inside information, like a Graham McDowell or Rory rather than the caddy doing it. But that's just me. You have the U S open champion at Gary Woodland. He is 60 to one. 
Phil Mickelson's at 101. Um, I'll be honest, I don't really know right off who I picked. I mean, who I would pick right now in a pool that I did on FanDuel. Shout out FanDuel, no free ads. But I took Rory and Brooks. And then I took Fleetwood. And I took uh, Eddie Pepperell and Robert Rock. Love Robert Rock. Guy doesn't wear a hat and he's one of the most handsome men on tour. And then I forget who else my sixth guy. And that was, let me look it up right now for you. But the sixth man that I took was Lucas Glover. He's been playing pretty well this entire year. Obviously, the narrative that Golf Channel and anybody else covering this Open is going to push is the home course for Rory and Graham McDowell and I would love to see Rory pull this one out at his home course and get it done. So that's why in the 2019 British Open, I will be picking and rooting for Rory McIlroy. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for joining me and Ryan Moore on episode 53 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. I appreciate it. There is going to be another episode coming next week that I will give more information on my Twitter. So... Follow me on there at at Carson Karras. Like, rate, review, subscribe, everything on this podcast on iTunes, and feel free to share it with somebody because I'll be. I'll just I'll tell you what it it tickles my heart when I have somebody come up to me and say, "Oh, you're that podcast guy at Gersel's or at another bar that I'm at," and because uh, I really enjoy that and means a lot. So thank you for listening to episode 53 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. And as we always end here, we will be seeing you.